You're listening to Big Shot Business Podcast. The what, the why, and the how of building and running a successful business on the African continent. Here's your host, Linkford Biz. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Big Shot Business Podcast. This week, I'm in Harare, Zimbabwe, talking to award-winning attorney, author, and business speaker. He has 13 books under his name and has spoken at over a hundred events. He is famous for saying, entrepreneurship is the art of taking money from people without people complaining about it. My guest today, Ata Marara. Today's episode is sponsored by Awesome Labs. For everything you need to build your own online store, do this month then. Visit beawesome.co.za. Awesome Labs, the web is chemistry. Advocate, welcome to Big Shot Business Podcast. It's a real honor to have you and I'm really looking forward to what we're going to be talking about today and getting to address so many of the issues that we're having in Africa and helping as many entrepreneurs across the continent as we can. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for the invite. It's really a pleasure being part and parcel of your wonderful platforms. Well, thank you. Thank you for accepting the invite. Uh, it's, um, it's, been, it's been quite a, an exciting year, if we were to put it that way in news terms. And um, there's quite a lot that is happening across the continent that we would like to talk about today. But before we get into that, as is the culture of um, Big Shot Business Podcast, would like to know who you are. So if you can tell us in a brief, who is Adam Arara? Yeah, you know, I, I usually get asked that question very much, but um, I'm just an ordinary guy in, in the hands of an extraordinary God. Um, by profession, I'm a lawyer. That's what I went to school to do. I studied law for four years in the University of Zimbabwe. Um, then when I finished law school, I discovered I also had a passion to encourage people, talk to people. So that's when I began to nature my other life, which is pretty much a public speaking but um, before the public speaking, I also realized I enjoyed communicating and writing. So pretty much I'm, I'm an attorney by profession, um, then I'm a public speaker as well, and I'm also a writer. I've written 15 books to date. Uh, my goal is to get to 40 books before I get to the age of 40. I'm trying to, to reach out and tell people, share ideas and inspiration. So um, I'm Zimbabwean, I love life, I enjoy people seeing their dreams coming true, experiencing their dreams as well. So what I exist to do is to inspire greatness and push people pretty much out of their comfort zones and help people achieve their dreams. Oh, that's, that's, that's quite great. That's amazing. Especially the part about inspiring people. I thought you had three books. I didn't know there were 15. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I've done, I think, um, quite, a, quite a number, actually. I'm just talking about the one right. that I released, uh, but uh, wow. actually more. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. I hope I'll get the chance to read them all because I know you're a man with quite a lot to say and quite a value to give. So um, if, if we can get a little bit into, um, into business. By profession, you're an attorney, but um, I think from my side, I've known you more as a speaker and just spoken, um, uh, <laughs> uh, you've spoken at quite a number of events and uh, spoken to quite a number of uh, corporates. How was that journey? How, or how did you get into that journey? What's, what's in it? Yeah, you know what, I, I never anticipated that I was going to be doing this. Um, 
at most I thought I was just going to end up writing books. But um, when I started writing for newspapers, that's when I started getting invitations from people saying, oh, we want to come and speak, share ideas. And I'm like, oh, okay. Then, so I was launched into the public speaking say, area through, through newspaper columns where people wanted to experience more about what I was doing. And yeah, but I, I really found it very exciting. So now I enjoy public speaking a lot. Just that I'm not your normal speaker. Eh? I, I, I try to bring unconventional conversations I'm, I'm not the type of guy who just enjoys making people feel good. I'd rather focus on helping people uh, confront the very same issues that we're avoiding many of the times. And once we do that, I believe that's the way we can bring about transformation. So, yeah, the transition was quite um, interesting. I'm, I'm a self-trained speaker. I, I never sit in, in class in day to learn how to speak. So it's been empowering yourself daily, getting to learn how to do it. Uh, how to move from point A to point B. Yeah, but I, I think it's been quite an exciting journey. But most importantly, my story is, is an encouragement to many people that you can be all that you want to be. Um, a number of people, they look at their backgrounds and they think, no, because I don't have A, B, C, D, I can't do it. But I, I exist to show people that if you want it, if you put your mind to it, you can actually do it. And my goal is to see more and more people coming to this level where they take charge of their lives and realize that you're more than just a profession. So a number of times, I think many people are going to fail because of their professions. We, we hold so much to our professions and we forget to realize that there's something that even God has put within us, which goes and stretches beyond our profession. And um, I, I want people to be comfortable with that, to realize that you can actually do more, step out. And once you find your calling, once you find your passion, that's where your success is pretty much. It's quite a mission you've got on there. Uh, There are quite a number of people in this world that I believe they are, they're living as wandering generalities. You know, they have not really found their purpose and it's a really great mission that you're on and we really appreciate the efforts and the value you're bringing on the market. You've spoken at uh, many um, corporate events. Um, would you say out of it, you've gotten sort of an idea of what it is really that, let's say, an entrepreneur would have to know before they start a business? All right, you know what? Um, I, I came to, to understand entrepreneurship through a rather unfortunate incident. I lost my father when I was 18 years of age. And my mother, all her life, was a housewife at going to the streets to learn how to sell. And that's why my message pretty much speaking so, so solidly and boldly and that we need to empower our families. Why? Because I think if we, if we don't empower our families, we are actually setting them up for failure. So that's when I realized you need to actually sell in order to create money. And if you're not selling, you're not making money. And at first, of course, I was very shy about it. You know, I wasn't confident about it. I used to think selling was for poor people. I used to think it was a sign that you're stranded, you're stuck. But that's the initial impression, really, growing up, you know, selling things like, like freezes, like bananas, you know, all those things. But growing up and being in the space that I am, and when I actually wrote my first book, I realized that no one was going to sell my book for me. I actually did sell it. That's when I realized, I'm actually a salesperson. And that's when I also realized you, you can actually monetize a gift. You can monetize a talent. 
And so for me, I've come to understand entrepreneurship from, from a rather simplistic perspective. And it's that very simple perspective that actually applies at large scale. Because entrepreneurship, by definition, is simply solving problems for a fee. That's entrepreneurship. Simply solving problems for a fee. Meaning if you're able to identify a human problem, which is where the money is, you come up with a solution faster and even better. That's the hallmark of an entrepreneur. So call it whatever you want, but all the guys who are actually making money right now, these are people who are answering human problems on a daily basis. And they are addressing them faster, addressing them in a better way, and you can even address them in a cheaper way. The result is disruption. So I've also come to reflect on entrepreneurship in a different way. And my definition of entrepreneurship is, is the art of taking money from people without people complaining. Um, so that, that's my definition, is the art of taking money from people without people complaining. So pretty, pretty much a number of people that are so uncomfortable with my definition of entrepreneurship. Why? <laughs> because we, we, we want so sophisticated things. But truth be told, if you're an entrepreneur and profit is also one of the things that's on your mind, let's forget about the impact thing. Because everyone talks about impact. Inevitably, you cause impact, but you still have to be paid. If, if you actually look at it, every entrepreneur, what they're actually doing, they are finding ways of taking money from people without people complaining. I'll give you a common example. Um, Elon Musk, one of my favorites. So this is a guy who is popularizing the, the solar roof. But what is he doing the solar roof? He's saying, okay, we can actually ensure that your roof is generating power. But guess what? He's not doing it for free. Now they are working on that massive factory, the battery factory. But why are they doing that? They are realizing the future is green. And if we're going to have more and more vehicles, it means there's going to be lots and lots of demand uh, for lithium-ion batteries. So we'd rather prepare ourselves for that to invest in the things and the setup that allows us to be able to service that market. So pretty much every entrepreneur and almost every entrepreneur in the business sense they are looking for ways to take money from people without people complaining. So in Zimbabwe, a very common example of Econet. So these are the guys who I'm swearing that I'm able to communicate with you through Zoll. That's the internet service provider. So these, these guys, whether or not this um, podcast goes well, they're already taking their money through data. Um, these guys, the Zoom guys who we're actually using right now, these are some of the beneficiaries of COVID. So in, in the COVID period, Zoom has managed to rise and its market valuation, they're actually saying it's more than the top seven global airlines combined. Why? It's someone who is entrepreneurial. They realize, okay, if people can't go to work physically, but wherever they can work, they can actually work. And these are people who have been able to, to, to answer problems. So pretty much entrepreneurship, is helping people develop that mindset where, where everybody's crying, where everyone is saying things are not okay. People begin to think differently and people begin to look for opportunities to solve problems for a fee rather than to join the bandwagon of people who are crying about problems. So that's why you find in the African continent, one of the greatest problems, which we're calling a problem, which is not actually a problem, is unemployment. So un unemployment by definition is simply absence of entrepreneurship. That's, that's unemployment. It's absence of entrepreneurship. So globally, if you study the trend, jobs are not created by governments. That's why it's wrong for politicians to promise more jobs. The role of politicians is simply to create the enabling environment in terms of which the entrepreneurs can actually create jobs. So globally, 
the role of governments is to enable and to stop interfering with entrepreneurs. So allow them to operate. Allow these guys to run their enterprises. Allow these guys to, to say, this is what it wants to do. Give them tax breaks. Support them. Um, give them a capital, venture capital to, to run their businesses. So I, I think, for me, um, we should actually make things like entrepreneurship mandatory courses uh, for, for universities. So if you're going to go to university first year, whether you're going to study mortuary science, whether you're going to study agriculture, whether you're studying physics, you must study entrepreneurship. Why? Because every time we're releasing thousands of people into the market, which is not producing jobs. And effective law are doing was simply increasing the number of problems out there. So I think for Africa, really the future is in entrepreneurship in the various sectors of the various economies. Um, I, I think that that's the sure way of being able to actually promote economic growth in our African continent. Oh, that's very profound. That's very, quite, uh, quite a number of points you have raised there. Um, do you think this is the kind of uh, um, discussion we need to be having across the continent generally um, about entrepreneurship being the solution to, um, to Africa's future, so to say? All right. I'll, I'll tell, let me tell you this. Um, when Africa was colonized, besides the, the political factor of prestige, blah, 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 and so forth, there was a fundamental consideration on the economics that we need new areas where we can extract mineral resources, more and more uh, inputs for our factories. That's why there was a lot of palm oil activity in West Africa. So before these guys moved to palm oil, they were actually taking slaves. So there was massive demand of labor uh, from, from the African continent being shipped to, to the American markets there. And eventually with um, the abolitionist movement, you find that um, slavery was no longer happening in America. It was not happening in Africa. So these guys will say, no, we simply use these people on their continent and we take their natural resources. And you still find this thing is still happening where we're on our continent and we're still being used on our continent. Guess what? We're nothing. So uh, until we correct how we think as Africans, we can actually be very rich in, in natural resources and be still very poor. Um, you hear some very sad stories of countries like Nigeria, where you actually hear they actually have got petrol cues, fuel cues. Yet Nigeria is one of the biggest oil producers. Why? Because our, our setting is not really that entrepreneurial. We're simply the guys who push the raw materials. But you see, if you're, if you're selling raw materials, then you're not adding value to them. You're not doing anything. That's why I think we, we need to actually make the conversation around entrepreneurship very normal that you are in Zimbabwe, where I come from. You see, we're blessed so much in terms of arable land. But you see, my country, at one point in time, we actually had to import grain, the very something that we can actually farm on our farms. Why? Because the entrepreneurial mindset is lacking. Where someone realizes that you don't actually need to complain that there are no jobs. Why? Because if you can farm, farm commercially, you can actually be selling either maize, alternatively, you can actually add value to the maize. Sell it as millimil. Very same farm. For several years, you find that the white commercial farmers had been producing enough to an extent that our, our country, Zimbabwe, was actually considered to be the breadbasket of Africa. And the question is, where are we going wrong as black people? 
and I'll be very blunt with you, I think it's, it's the absence of the entrepreneurial mindset where we think in terms of business, we think in terms of solutions. And this is the reason why I think we need to actually couch entrepreneurship. And the point that I'm always making is we expect teachers to teach entrepreneurship when these teachers are actually waiting for their salaries. We actually find problems that because you can't expect someone to work to teach you right. entrepreneurship. And you cannot expect somebody who is not involved in any entrepreneurial activities to be able to teach and empower your child in entrepreneurship. So I think we, we need to reskill our teachers, empower them so that they are also entrepreneurial in terms of mindset. And the next thing they are also able to share that uh, with right. students that come to their classes. So for me, ask me to redesign the curriculum. I'll make entrepreneurship compulsory from primary, from high school, from university. And I'll, I'll expect to see more and more universities in Africa that specialize in energy. Just a university that specializes only in energy. And more and more universities that specialize in agriculture, where you know very well that, for example, Zimbabwe, my country, we, we are an economy which is agrarian, um, according to what is generally stated. But we don't have a university that specializes in agriculture. And we don't have a university that's specializing in training people to run their agriculture's businesses just a university that stands alone on that. So I think we need to, to really revise the way we, we are doing our things and to, to make normal the conversation around entrepreneurship and to ensure that we instill it and we, we make it normal. You know, I had a very disturbing call from one student from one of these universities. They called me and they told me they are studying entrepreneurship. And I, oh, yeah, great, great program. And the next thing they tell me something very shocking. They're saying, I'm looking for a job. <laughs> and I'm like, what nonsense is that? So, <laughs> right. So, so we, we can't have people who are studying entrepreneurship for the sake of just getting a degree. I, I think right. we'd rather have people who actually understand what it means that they are studying so that they can actually create jobs. If need be, you should actually endorse on that certificate. Please don't employ this person. Why? Because right. for those four years, pretty much, we are pretty much preparing you to say, go out there, start your own enterprise, create jobs, absorb more people, employ more people, and you are able to actually run this. I'll give an example of some of, um, some of the good examples. Right now, one of the companies that I respect so much in terms of security is Securico in Zimbabwe. It employs over 4,000 security guards. One woman employing over 4,000. Talk of Nyarazo, they're employing in the thousands as well a local uh, funeral assurance company started by local people. And so imagine if it was a thousand, two thousand more people like that in the economy were able to employ in the thousands, you have solved what we call unemployment. So that mindset, we should not postpone it. We should make it normal at an early age. So you find colonization is managed to succeed even after independence. Why? Because initially when these guys come, they realize, no, these guys, they don't like working. So what do you do? Impose taxes. So once you impose taxes and you ask them to pay in, in currency, these guys, they don't have the currency. So the only option for them to get currency is to go through a system which is going to require them to work on farms, to go through a system which is going to require them to work in mines. 
in what you do, you make them employees. And all their lives, they're going to be working, 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 working. And no one is going to open their minds to realize that, uh-uh, this working is okay, but it's not actually going to create generational wealth for you. So you see, for, for a long time, that very same mindset has actually continued. But if you go through that history, it was a number of people fighting for improvement of conditions in their minds rather than actually owning the minds. That's why you find the trade union movement was pretty much working on the number of hours instead of saying, why don't you actually have people owning these minds? Why do you actually have uh, more and more people running these businesses? So, so we find uh, colonization and colonialism is actually survived. So throughout Africa, that's why you find many other countries, they're actually independent, but they're not independent. Why? Because their economies are actually run. They're actually controlled significantly. And then that's why I think we, we need to, to really help the African person and to realize that until we control the means of production, until we understand also the processes of production and not just the benefits of production, until we learn to do that, we are not effectively free. So you find that in Africa, we were not producing fuel. We're actually having to buy it. We're actually having to import in the millions from the Middle East. In Africa, we mine gold. We send it as ore. We are not even processing it. Yet, you actually gain real value, not from gold ore, not from the processed gold in the terms of those blocks, but in terms of the final end products. And by the way, every time we're actually exporting raw materials, we're exporting jobs. And for some weird reasons, we don't think in terms of how and what we can do to actually prevent the bleed in terms of the jobs that we're exporting. So which is why I think that the way of thinking for me is actually urgent more than anything else. Because until I address this way of thinking, you are going to find the bulk of the most expensive vehicles being driven in Africa by people who call themselves entrepreneurs when they actually, in fact, dealers. So you see, there's a difference between being a dealer and being an entrepreneur. Deals, they're not for generations. Entrepreneurship is for generations. You're now focusing on, say, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, 60 years from now. So what I, I desire to see is more and more businesses from Africa that are going to last 100 years. If I can ask you which business do you know started by a black person that's lasting for, that has been in existence for the past 100 years, it can be very difficult. Why? Because we don't think that far. We don't. We usually think very few days, few months. So we, we really need to correct that and be able to create sustainable businesses. That's exciting. That's exciting. It actually um, gives hope to, to um, what Africa's future will be like. Now, in the, in the spirit of uh, um, inspiring Africans to create their own businesses, um, one of the main reasons we're actually doing this podcast is because we're trying to create uh, a body of knowledge as to how to build and how to run a successful business on the African continent. Would you say from your experience, you've found what it is that one needs to know to build and run a successful business on the continent? All right. The, the question is, what is the business and what are the types of business? By the way, business is usually fall under three categories. Um, the first type of category is, is the manufacturing. So you, you need to be able to identify your interest by interest in manufacturing. So a number of people are actually involved in manufacturing, but they don't actually understand that. 
So in, in my country, Zimbabwe, pretty much because of the economy, um, I hope you've been to a place called Magaba. If you haven't, please go there. Um, massive manufacturing happening there in Bari. Yeah, you go there, people by 4 a.m. they're already up, busy creating things and hoping that someone is coming to buy them. And by the way, Magaba is one of the places where you find all the US dollars. Why? Because the people who <laughs> find their space in manufacturing. So the question is, what are you manufacturing? Remember what we're talking about that in, in, in the, the case of Africa is we, we just extract mineral resources and we, we don't actually get to process them. So we were skipping a fundamental stage, which is the manufacturing stage where we're actually supposed to produce something of value. So if you are an entrepreneur, you should be able to understand which particular area do you want to be involved in? Do you want to be involved in manufacturing? Number two, businesses revolve around provision of services. So right now what we're using here is Zoom, it's a service. And what Zoom is doing is simply creating convenience, saying, you don't have to be shouting. You don't have to come here. Wherever you are, let's talk. Let's have the condition. We're going to give you all this application and all the conveniences that it brings. So what's happening is these guys, they're actually providing a service. So as an entrepreneur, the question is, do you want to prov provide services or do you want, want to actually be involved in the manufacturing? So Apple, for example, I'm, I'm recording using a MacBook here. These guys, they manufactured. Did they manufacture it personally? Of course, they send it to China. They know it's cheaper. So you don't necessarily have to make it. You simply need to know who you can use for less so that you can increase your profit. And that's how, that's how cheap it is. And that's how simple it is. So are you going to be doing manufacturing? Are you going to be doing services? I, I do legal services. You know, what I'm actually doing right now is a service. You're also doing a service. So are you doing services? But thirdly, businesses also revolve around the third category, which is distribution or selling of uh, a service or a product. Simple. Are you selling? Are you distributing a service or a product? Which explains why a number of people think it's complex to be involved in business. So if you don't have money to start your own bottling company, you can still be selling what is already been bottled by someone. You are now distributing a product. So I hear many people are selling this lie that Coca-Cola sold 25 bottles in its first year. That's, that's actually not true. Coca-Cola was established by John Pemberton as a drug. Why? He wanted to cure his morphine addiction. And the first ingredient for Coca-Cola was cocaine, where you get the coca for cocaine combined with cola nuts. And that drug ended up becoming a very favorite drink. But I want to show you something that's interesting. If you read the story of John Pemberton, John Pemberton died broke. He sold Coca-Cola for $1,500 to Asa Kendler, who was a business person. And Asa Kendler is that guy who realized, oh, okay, this thing actually has got potential. Then he registers Coca-Cola, the company. 1886, Coca-Cola is birthed. Before even Zimbabwe was colonized, before even some other countries, in Africa were even colonized. And I want you to look at a company that was established in 1886. It's still in existence. But what are they doing? They're producing, they're providing a product. And the next thing that they've understood is it's not just enough to pro provide a product or produce a product. 
it's also very important to have systems, structures in place. So John Pemberton, the guy who actually created Coca-Cola died broke. And the guys who made money, your answer can last. They actually made more money, meaning it's not enough even to be creative. I know we're taught to be creative in an entrepreneur, but if you're not careful, you can be creative and broke. So a, a number of people who are actually broke, it's not because they're not creative. They are creative, but they don't understand how to manage their creativity. They also don't understand how to monetize their creativity. Talk about KFC. Now, this guy, many people enjoy himself, Ken O'Hallan Sanders. Very good guy, very good gentleman. But, you know, he actually sold um, KFC for sick money. It was bought. Why? Because this guy was not able to actually develop the business. He had a brilliant idea. But there were some guys with more brilliant ideas, which explains why we, we need to develop ourselves as entrepreneurs. What do you want to do? What's your vision for growth? What do you need to learn in order for you to develop a business? What type of people and who do you need in order for you to establish a business? By the way, every business starts as an idea. Every business it starts as an idea. That's why I think one of the things we need to, to learn to encourage people is to, to really fantasize in terms of ideas. Nature your ideas. Google started as an idea. YouTube was started on a dinner table. Facebook was started in a dormitory. HP was started in a garage. Apple was started in a garage. Amazon, very humble places. So it, it's, it's having that idea, but also having the vision for growing the idea. What are you going to do in order to grow that business? But see, a number of times, I think we're discouraged more by big businesses. Um, and a number of people, they look at the big businesses and they think somehow these guys were always big. And they tend to think that uh, if they're starting, they actually need to start at that level, which is also, I think, the biggest mistake. You, you can't be a Coca-Cola within two days. Coca-Cola is since 1886. So many people, they don't want to develop the patience to grow. They just want to be this big, which is why I think um, that's the reason why many people are actually frustrated. So you need the patience as well. But most importantly, I think you also need character, to work on your character. And this character is the reason why John Pemberton failed. His son died a drug addict. John Pemberton died a drug addict. So his legacy, Coca-Cola, enriched other people instead of actually enriching himself. So for any person who wants to be in business, it's a good thing to do. Number two, business is going to require you to be a learner, lifelong learner, read. And you see, we don't like reading, especially people of our color. We don't like reading. We'd rather read... Um, the subtitles for some movie in Bollywood, which you can't even understand in Hindi. Finish an entire right. of a season and you don't even know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> and somehow, you expect that you're going to change your life. It doesn't work that way. Read. Read books on strategy. Read books mm -hmm. on entrepreneurship. How do, you, how do you grow your business? How do you start your business from scratch? How do you brand your business? How do you network yourself for success? You need to invest. So, it's, it's, it's one thing to desire your business to grow, but it's another thing to do the very things that's going to see your business grow. Have you heard about Big Shot Business Network? It's the place to be for African entrepreneurs, business owners, and professionals just like you. Join millions of fellow entrepreneurs today by visiting likeabigshot.com. Big Shot Business Network. Connect, share, grow. I also think... Um as Africans, since the opportunity is already there now and we're beginning to see it in so many 
in so many countries that most people are gravitating from the um the conventional seek a job after after school they're all moving into entrepreneurship trying to figure out things on their own and this is actually part of it as we create this body of knowledge so that it assists as many entrepreneurs of the continent as possible it is however um still a challenge uh especially when when governments have not really accepted the idea that africa could be its own um uh producer manufacturer and supplier so to speak uh do you think there could be something that entrepreneurs can do to convince governments or policy makers to create policies that are much more favorable for the for the entrepreneur you know what? You can make noise, you can talk, you can write on Twitter, you can go on Facebook. But the question is, are these guys going to read Facebook? So you see, a lot of noise is being made on Twitter. But guys, come on, these guys, they don't have time for Twitter. Um, but, but what I actually think is uh, very important is just to start from where you are, um, take action from where you are. We, we live in a world that recognizes more results than pretty much the idea. So at first, when you say, this is what I want to do, no one is willing to listen to you. But once you do it, people get to believe, listen, and to see, oh, okay, this actually makes sense. So right now, the, one of the ways to quickly gain confidence is, I think, to take action. Start from where you are. Well, you see, there's so many things that you're not able to change. Number one, you can change the politics. Never fool yourself that you change the politics. No. If you want to die of blood pressure or whatever, fool yourself to think you can change the politics. No, you can't. But what I know you can change is your plans, your strategy. Of course, it can be influenced and affected by politics in a way, but that's pretty much business. Business is like a sailor. You're going into the waters. You don't know what the waters are going to be like, and you always have to be alert. You always have to be ready to, to make some maneuvers in order for you to stay afloat. If you don't, you'll be sugared and you die. So what I encourage entrepreneurs pretty much is, yeah, whilst we can engage, but still take action under the circumstances, do what you can and focus as well and as much as possible on the things that are within your control more than the things that are not within your control. If you're in, in Zimbabwe where I stay, I think well, one of the countries that has changed currencies like no man's business. In 2008, we woke up, everybody with Zim dollars, we lost out. Why? Because we're now moving into multi-currency with the US dollars predominantly the main currency. Then years later, you know the story, we got a brother called a bond note. And the bond note came, they said, no, these guys are the same. Uh, don't worry about color, but they're the same. They can buy, et cetera, et cetera. And the next thing we realized, no, no, these guys are actually not the same. And we're back to RTGs. you get what I'm saying? So for, for, for an entrepreneur, at least you know in the environment that you're operating in, that it's, it's really not predictable. That should actually help you in terms of your decisions. Where are you going to put your money? In this environment, which is highly volatile, your decisions cannot afford to be the same. This is an environment where you need to be agile. This is the environment where you need to be flexible. This is the environment where you need to be open. Your eyes have to be open. Your mind has to be open. Pretty much that's the global environment that we're actually living in, where we need to think creatively in terms of how we can stay afloat. We need to think creatively how we can cut costs, increase productivity ensure that the customer gets the product at the best price, quality product, faster, better, cheaper, and to ensure that we survive our business. So pretty much my, my advice is, yeah, we can make noise, we can engage, but pretty much we should not bank so much on politicians, though we need their support. Um, I think we need to 
pretty much bank on our ability to strategize, plan, and to be flexible and to be agile. That way to actually read us and protect us from disappointments. Was indeed in business. You can actually be disappointed that people have actually lost millions. But there are also people who have understood the environment that they've been operating with and they were able to actually save money. Oh, thank you so much for that, Advocate. That's, um, that's quite profound. And you've been, you've been a, a, an, um, an avid speaker about um, having the right mind, especially when you're going to be pursuing either your dreams or pursuing a goal. What type of mindset do you think African entrepreneurs need to have to move, let's say, from this point where we are right now, where we, our economies are trying to recover from uh, the COVID-19 pandemic? What type of mindset does an entrepreneur need? You know, it's, the word mindset is very important. Two words, number one, mind, the next word is settle. So pretty much it's what we think about constantly. And what you reflect, think about constantly, then your mind will settle on. So pretty much the question is where do you want to go? And where you want to go, pretty much determine the type of thinking that you want to run with. Um, so in Africa, this is a continent that you can just easily give up. Um, this is a continent that you can wake up to the news and all sorts of weird things are showing on the news. But pretty much as an entrepreneur, I also realize that when everything is in its place, it's actually difficult to do business. So... Talk about advanced economies. In advanced economies, you won't be doing much. Why? Because everything is structured. But if you come in Africa, where pretty much we have no structures, no systems, that's actually the opportunity to put in structures, to put in systems. So I think it's very important to have a possibility mindset, very important, where you believe that you can actually do it and learn to see possibilities in this continent and to believe in the potential then secondly, you need to learn to have the lion attitude. I think Miles Monroe used to talk about the lion attitude so much, where you don't pretty much focus on what you don't have. You focus on your strength. So when he talks that the lion is not the largest, not the tallest, not the fastest, it is the king of the jungle. I was doing a conversation today with Mdiwa, and I'm like, a lion cannot change the fact that it's not the fastest. It can't improve its speed. It can't change its weight. It can't change its height. Pretty much these are the constants. But the secret is to build on what you already have and to make good of what you already have, your strengths. So I think we, we've got a country in a continent uh, which has got so many opportunities disguised as problems. And, and the role of entrepreneurs is to bring order in disorder, bring order into chaos. And once you do that, that that's where your business is pretty much. So remember what I was talking about business earlier on, that business is actually about solving problems for a fee. Where there are no problems, there's no business. And where there are problems, there are businesses. So you, you need to think in terms of solving problems. That's the mindset as well. Uh, where everyone is complaining about problems, you need to start thinking in terms of how can you actually solve the problems. Oh, that's great. That's great. So um, you you kind of stepped into something I wanted to ask about there. Um, having a mindset that sees opportunities, what opportunities do you think are now available on the continent which entrepreneurs can start taking advantage of? All right, pretty much Africa is um, over 50 countries in one place. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. Um, you, you find you still have countries in Africa that don't have roads. 
there are still Bundu sort of, that's infrastructure. Um, you find countries like Zim, where we're still struggling to provide food. Um, those are opportunities. So pretty much what I can say is to think in terms of the, the problems that are bedeviling the African continent. Um, one of the common ones is, 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 is power. Massive deficit in terms of energy. So massive deficit in energy, what does it mean? It means there are more opportunities in terms of renewable energy. Um, I was following the Lake Tukana project in Kenya. Massive stuff. And mm. uh, you find that's a European company that went to install those uh, massive wind turbines. Why? These are guys who are saying, okay, in Africa, they're having this problem. Next thing, how do we solve it? Next thing, how do we structure it in such a way that they can be paying us in the long term? So in the opportunities in Africa, there are plenty. And they're tied in various areas as problems, mining, lots of opportunities, but more from the, from the beneficiation side of things, where we no longer just be selling diamonds, it is song to India, gold, it is song to Dubai. Now thinking in terms of establishing schools that train people in terms of beneficiation and ensuring that we get to retain jobs, we get to empower families and so forth. So my, my answer really is there's so many opportunities in tourism, quite a number of things. And mm. now part of the, the entrepreneur's job is actually investigating and studying and researching into any area of enterprise that you want to venture in and see, okay, whether or not this actually makes absolute sense. And what, what you notice is that almost every sector is actually occupied right now as you speak. Talk about health. There's someone who's doing health. Talk about mining. Someone is already doing it. So the question is, uh, what can you do? And how are you able to provide the service in a better, faster, cheaper way? That's actually business. So it's not longer yeah. about whether or not the need is being met. No, the question is, it, how well are they meeting the need? If the need is not being met very well, that's actually an opportunity to do uh, things in a much better way. So I'll give you very simple examples of DHL, FedEx. These guys pretty much are doing the same things. But the question is, how, how are they doing it? Yeah. Talk about television channels. You've got your Sky, you've got your CNN. They're doing pretty much the same things. The question is on the differentiation. So also just to encourage many people saying, don't, don't be scared away merely by being told that, no, so-and-so is doing this. No, no, no. It's not about so-and-so doing it. It's, it's how well are they doing it? Because your business may actually lie in terms of somebody failing to address the market efficiently. And that, that becomes, right. your, becomes your opportunity. You know, there's a drink called uh, Sprite. Right. You know, Sprite was created as a response to 7-Up. <laughs> All right, I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> so right. Pepsi is coming as a cola. Why? Because there's Coca-Cola. That's why they usually talk about the cola wars. So right. pretty much if you taste Coca-Cola, Pepsi, they're pretty much taking cola. And so don't shy away. Always think about how can you do something differently and how can you do it better? How can you do it cheaper? How can you do it faster? And pretty much that's when disruption occurs. When something uh -huh. can be done cheaper, faster, and even in a better way. That's how you disrupt. And this is the question which many people need to be thinking now. So if it's food industry, what is it that you can do to make the products available cheaper, faster, uh -huh. better? Simple. So, you see, even now businesses have now moved from fast food to serving food fast. Why? Indeed. <laughs> because for a long period of time, the focus was on just on dishing out food. But people realize, no, no, this food is actually killing people. Why? Mm -hmm. To ensure that you can get quality food 
at an accelerated pace. So which is why I'm saying the, the, the opportunities in Africa, they're tremendous. Talk of Aliko Dangote. Aliko Dangote is a guy who was able to provide sugar, rice, salt in homes, addressing a daily human problem. You address it in the millions, and guess what? The result is billions. So, which is why I think we need to encourage people to to think differently. That's great. That's good. Um, I think we're a bit moved on time. Um, is there something that you would like to say, perhaps, to entrepreneurs, a word of encouragement, or um, you know, something just for them to take home? You know, pretty much, if, if you want to secure the future of your children, be an entrepreneur. If you just want to ensure that you go from day one up to day 15 of the month, be an employee. And um, I think we, we need to learn to think beyond our salaries, especially for those people who are just waiting on their salaries. We need to learn to think beyond our salaries. And once we learn to think beyond our salaries, uh, effectively we're able to create financial security. We're also able to make even greater impact for our families and reach out to more people. But truth be told, entrepreneurship is the way to go. Of course, it's not for everybody. That's the question that people always ask me, you know, that entrepreneurship is not for everybody. They're not lying, it's not for everyone. That's why I'm not forcing people here to be entrepreneurs. We're simply saying for both who want to be. Yeah, that's why I don't waste my time trying to say people be an entrepreneur. No, it's not compulsory. You can stay the way that you want, it's okay. No one will force you. Yeah, so pretty much make the choice and it's also the management of the choice that's very important. Oh, that's that's very profound. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, a little bit about your books. All right. So, um, I've done books on academics, um, A-level pretty much, but I've done books on inspiration. Uh, Personal Development Toolkit, one of my favorite books. Um, All right. It's pretty much... Um, there to challenge people to develop themselves, grow themselves professionally and personally. And um, I'll share the pictures. We can, I think you can also post with, um, with, your, with your team there. Then yeah. I've done a book on time management. I believe one of the things that we need to encourage people is for them to learn how to manage the time effectively. If you can't manage your time, you can't manage your life. And the other book that I've done is Keys to Financial Freedom. I believe so much in common sense. I believe in common sense. If, if you can't manage your money, if you can't make more money, if you can't multiply money, you won't be able to be financially free. So I just unfold in that book. Um, then, yeah, quite a number of books, but I'll just talk about those today. No, that's good. That's good. Where can people contact you or find you and find your books and your materials? All right. So link up with me on social media. My Twitter handle is at Athamarara. In fact, it's actually at Athamarara, all the platforms. Follow us on Facebook. We broadcast every Monday. Uh, you can get to experience more of our talks every Monday. And uh, yeah, if you follow us, you're also able to get notified every time that we go live and you can get to experience uh, the things that we do. Yeah, then email. You get our email on our Facebook page. We share our details as well. All right. Now, that's beautiful. We'll share all of that information on the podcast notes as well. Advocate, I thank you so much for your time today and all the value that you're able to give us. I do hope that we'll get another chance to bring you again on the show so that we can talk further because I believe there's, there's always more to say and more to do. Uh, so that I really appreciate that you managed to come through today. And thank you so much for your time, sir. Thank you so much.
We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Remember to subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Be sure to join millions of fellow entrepreneurs at Big Shot Business Network. For this week's show notes, visit likeabigshot.com slash podcast. Until next week, this has been the Big Shot Business Podcast. Oh,